Let's pray. We thank you, gracious Heavenly Father, that you richly and daily provide for us with all that we need for body and soul in our lives here on earth. We pray that you will give us grace to cast our worries on you because we know that you care for us. Amen. Amen. Never waste a good worry. Don't waste your worries. They are far more important to you than you ever realise. Why are you worried? Are you worried? And what are you worried about? We live in a worried world. Uh, what strikes me um, is that everywhere I go, people are worried. And here, um, coming to the USA, and to your church, and going around a little bit, it strikes me that people are particularly worried at this stage in your history. Almost everybody that I've spoken to is worried about what's happening in your society at large. You're worried about the outcome of the next election. And that's only the tip of the socialized uh, iceberg. Uh, everywhere I go, pastors are worried about what's happening in their churches. People are worried what's happening in their families, in their marriages. Worry. You don't know, need me to tell you about the dangers of worry. Uh, we all know that worry, anxiety, can destroy our happiness and can even cripple us in many different ways. We know that some kinds of worry are bad for us. That's obvious. But you know that worry is good for you. Or it's good for you. And that's what I want to tell you today. And that's not my opinion, that's the opinion of Jesus. Uh, as Christians, you know that Satan uses worry to choke your faith, to try and throttle your faith, to diminish and destroy your faith in your heavenly father. Uh, remember the parable of the sower and the seed. Remember the seed that fell among thorns? Uh, Jesus tells us that those thorns are uh, people being choked by the worries of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. I spoke about the deceitfulness of riches in the sermon that I preached to you. But notice, uh, it's the worries of this world that are like thorns that choke out the growing seed, um, the growing plant. Now Jesus offers us surprising and unexpected help uh, for us worry warts. And all of us worry, some more, some less. Uh, uh, psychologists 
tell us, and they are like telling us many things, but that uh, um, a society like the USA is beset by a plague of anxiety. And there's about 3% of the population that uh, has an extreme uh, chronic condition called generalised anxiety disorder. If you want to know about that, and I think it's important that you all know about that, because this is very often undetected, uh, even if it's not your problem, uh, there's more people around you that have this than you realise to various degrees. Just Google generalised anxiety disorder. But I'm not a psychologist and I'm not here to tell you that. Um, Jesus offers us unexpected help. I would expect him, and this is the way I always took the passage we're going to look at shortly, that Jesus would tell us not to worry. I had the impression when I was young that what to worry was a sin. But Jesus doesn't say that. Jesus uh, doesn't call worry a sin. But he, in fact, encourages us to worry, but to worry in the right way about the right things. So there's a good kind of worry and there's a bad kind of worry. Never waste a good worry. Um, like fear or guilt or shame, worry is not a bad thing in itself. Um, in itself, it's neutral. What matters with your guilt is not that you are guilty, but what you do with your guilt. What matters with your fear is not that you're afraid. It's right to be afraid of certain things. The, the important thing is to be afraid of the right things and to know what to do with your fears and your guilt and your shame and, and many other things like that. How you deal with your worry determines whether it is good or bad for you and other people. Most simply, worry is bad if it's worry about the wrong things and if it's misplaced, if it's misdirected. More about that shortly. So Jesus wants to help you to make good use of your worries. He wants you to use your worries constructively to benefit you and the people about you. In fact, I would maintain that Jesus does some of his most important work in you and through you by means of your worries. If you waste your worries, if you don't use them the way Jesus intends you to do so, <coughs> they will lay waste of you. Uh, spiritually, psychologically, and even physically. Any doctor will tell you that a lot of dis, uh, sicknesses are the result of worry, anxiety. We know that. Uh, but that's not what Jesus tells us. He tells us that worry is good for us. That's the right kind of worry. Never waste a good worry. 
Luther makes a very helpful distinction about worry and various kinds of worry. He says the bad kind of worry is obsessive worry about yourself and your own interests. Self-serving uh, worry. But the good kind of worry is the worry, two good kinds of worry, it's the worry of love. Uh, the concern of love to worry about other people. And in the right way, though. And then he talks about a second kind of worry, which he calls official worry, which means it's the kind of worry that you have by virtue of your position in life, your office, your station. The worry that you as parents have for who? Your children. The worry that you or husband as husband or wife have for each other. The worry that a pastor and a leader of the church has for congregation. The worry that a doctor has for his patients. You get the basic picture? Official worry, um, worry uh, which has to do with the work that God has given us to do and position he gives us to serve him. If we use our worries properly, they will bring great blessings to us and to other people. If we use them wrongly, they will bring curses. It'll, they will be a curse for us and other people. Can you now open your Bibles and let's look at what Jesus says about worry. What Jesus says, uh, the teaching of Jesus to us on how to deal with our worries you find it in Matthew chapter 6, the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount. And what's interesting, the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus' basic teaching uh, on the Christian life uh, to his disciples. And it's interesting that this topic co it covers a larger part of this, the Sermon on the Mount, than any other topic. It shows us how important it is for our spiritual life. And it shows us, too, that worry is not a new thing. It was just as common in the ancient world as it is today. Um, Matthew chapter 6, 19 through to 34. We'll have a look at it in two stages. Uh, first of all, uh, 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 we begin in chapter... Uh, what's it? Uh, 6 verse 19 where Jesus gives three uh, reasons for us uh, uh, why and how we misdirect misplace our worries we put our worries and we use our worries in the wrong way he says first of all do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The first reason for us uh, uh, misplacing, misdirecting our worries is our own insecure heart. Our own possessive heart. 
uh, we worry because of the future and the insecurity that we feel about ourselves and our future. And because we worry, we become greedy and possessive. We accumulate possessions because we think that money and possessions will give us security. Not just now, today, but in the future. The whole insurance industry depends on that. Uh, uh, we worry about what will happen when we, our children go to college. Uh, we worry about what will happen when we retire. We worry about whether we'll have enough to support us when we get old and infirm and maybe sick. Um, and so because we feel insecure and want to uh, gain security for ourselves, we accumulate treasure, we accumulate possessions in the hope that they will secure our future for us, give us a secure, safe, certain future. But uh, Jesus says that this a danger in storing up treasures for ourselves because uh, uh, those possessions that we have are subject to decay and even the treasures that don't, are not subject to decay like gold uh, people can steal and you'll lose it so anything that you have physically will either be decay decay in some way it'll become dilapidated or someone may steal it from you, most likely it's your government. <laughs> so the best, the safest investment is in heaven. I thought you'd like that, by the way. <laughs> uh, and it's not a, a, a matter of uh, uh, just physical life, but it's a matter of where your heart is. Um, Where's your heart located? Is your heart located in things? Or is it located with God in heaven? That's the problem. If we set our heart on things here on earth, then that's the best recipe for a life of bad worry. So our worries are rather revealing because the things I worry about most also shows uh, where I set my heart on. If I, let me just give an example, if I worry about my children, it shows that my children are very important to me. If I worry about my wife, it shows that this is where my heart is. If I worry about the church, it shows that this is where my heart is. You can turn it negative too, that's good kind of worry. It shows us where our heart is set. Um, so the insecure heart that we have uh, is the cause of worry and uh, leads to us misdirecting our worries. Secondly, let's read what Jesus says, goes on to say. He says, the eye, this is a very puzzling little uh, kind of uh, riddle actually, a riddle. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, if it's unhealthy, uh, your whole body will be full of darkness. 
If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Now there's a riddle for you. Uh, eyes. Uh, in the ancient world, people uh, 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 noticed that uh, we fixed our eyes on the things that we desire. Okay? Um, and the eyes show what we look for and what we want most of all in life. If my eyes always go to a beautiful woman, you know what is important to me. Right? If my eyes go to a car or a home or clothes or shoes or whatever the case may be, it shows that this is what I desire, this is what I want. Now, um, it shows what we uh, want, most of all, what we look for, most of all, in life. Uh, now, there's two kinds of eyes, then. There's the healthy eye, which is generous and appreciative. Um, uh, the eyes that seek not to get for myself, but to give and receive. Open eyes, healthy eyes, appreciative eyes, grateful eyes, thankful eyes. Okay, that's the good eyes, the healthy eyes. But then there are, are bad eyes, and that doesn't mean by my bad eyesight, but eyes that look out there and always want to take. Greedy eyes, possessive eyes, envious eyes, uh, eyes that want more and more and more, and no matter how much you have, you haven't got enough. But the eyes are basically, in fact, even though it looks as if you're looking out into the world, but the eyes are basically turned where? On ourselves. I, me, and myself. Um, uh, that's where the focus is. And uh, by doing that, we shut out the light uh, and we don't shine with our eyes on other people. We're filled with the darkness of fear, worry, unbelief, and all the other dark things that take over in us. The third reason for the wrong kind of worry uh, the third reason for us misplacing our worries, putting them in the wrong place, rather the right place, is our divided loyalty. Let's see what Jesus says. No man, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one uh, and love the other, or he will be, or yes, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. You know that well. You cannot serve God and mammon. He's not talking to people out there in the world, he's talking to us Christians. Now the problem that we as disciples of Christ is that we want to have it both ways. We want Jesus, but we also want <coughs> money, stuff, things. And the problem is then, our loyalties are divided. Our heart is split in half. Half of us wants this, Half of us wants this, 
And you know, it's physically impossible to serve two masters. Uh, you can't be devoted to two masters. Masters claim your whole loyalty. They take over. They possess you. The picture is of masters and slaves here. Uh, so the result of trying to serve two masters, Jesus and money, is that uh, we are torn apart. It's an impossible task. And the result of that, the consequence of that, is that we are beset with worry and anxiety. Because we are trying to serve two masters. We're trying to have it both ways in life. Uh, it's a recipe uh, for a life that has little or no enjoyment. Now, that's uh, Jesus' teaching on the reasons for misplaced worry. Now comes Jesus' diagnos diagnosis and his solution about that he gives to us, his teaching about the right use of our worries. Now, as, as I read this, just think Jesus is not saying worry is a bad thing, but don't worry about the, some things. Instead of that worry in the right way, uh, and uh, put your worries in the right place. Now, in this passage, Jesus is going to call you and me, in this translation, O you of little faith. Now, watch out, don't hear that wrong, please. He's not telling you off because you don't have a strong enough faith, and if only you had strong faith, everything would be better. Ha, ha, ha. Okay? Uh, that's not what he's saying. He says, oh, you of little faith, uh, uh, you need to hear that as, uh, as him sort of joshing with you, uh, affectionate with you. Uh, I can't go into the background of it, but my best translation of that is that Jesus says, uh, uh, oh, you are uh, little people of faith. Oh, you my dear little believers. Not little faith, but little believers. That's what it's about. Little, but also it has the few believers. You know, there's not many believers, but Jesus say, hey, you believers, that's good, 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 good. And he uh, congratulates you, he appreciates you, he assures you, because why? You have faith. And that's the important thing. So he talks to you uh, affectionately, uh, uh, because you are one of his little children, and he loves you. You're his darlings. Okay, let's hear what Jesus says. You don't want to hear what I said. Uh, notice that he begins with, therefore, he draws a conclusion for what's gone before. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious or worried. I'd expect him to stop there. But what does he say? Do not be anxious about your life, uh, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, Ooh, you know, what you will put on, is not... Your, is not life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add, 
excuse me, can add a single hour to his span of life. Worrying about long life, but also worry about health then. Uh, and why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed, was not clothed like one of these. If God so clothes the grass of the field, which, is, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you O oh, you of little faith, you darling little believers, you darling little children of God who believe in God. Therefore do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear for the Gentiles, that's the people who are not Christians. Seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, now comes the whammy. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. Do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. God gives us daily bread, but he also gives us daily trouble. More on that shortly. Um, so, the teaching here of Jesus on the right use of worry, uh, he uh, gives us first of all the diagnosis and then he gives us the uh, remedy um, we worry about the wrong kind of things in the wrong kind of way what are we worrying for most of all it's food drink clothing possessions um, uh, health no those kinds of things and uh, uh, we worry not just in the present but we worry whether we will have enough food when tomorrow. We worry whether uh, we will have enough money in the bank when? Tomorrow. We worry whether the money that we have will be enough to pay all the debts. God doesn't promise to give us tomorrow's bread, but he promises to give us daily bread. Uh, uh, that's what he promises to us. And if we're going to worry, then worry not about uh, uh, that in the future, but worry only about the bread and the clothes and the health, uh, your body for today. Uh, don't misplace your worries. Sure, it's not bad to worry about getting enough food and drink, um, but all you need, all you need to worry about, is enough for when today. Now, it's the mark of the Gentiles, says Jesus, that it's the mark of a pagan society to worry about the basic necessities of life and to try and secure them not just for the present but for the future. Uh, so you keep on uh, accumulating possessions like the rich fool. Remember the rich farmer who had many possessions, he had a bumper crop and so what he did, he retired and he so said, Sold, 
Um, uh, now you can sit down, eat and drink, and enjoy yourself for the rest of your life. Uh, that's what we want, is to have uh, uh, a secure future. Uh, we want to preserve ourselves. We want eternal life already now here on earth. And uh, we keep on accumulating more and more things because we're afraid of trouble and disaster which might strike us. Uh, at the moment, what are people worrying about? There's some things that are worried about the present, but mostly people worried about the future. What's going to happen after the election? What's going to happen if we have a finance, another financial meltdown? What's going to happen if the church is going to decline here in the USA? What's going to happen to our children and grandchildren? What's going to happen uh, when I graduate? Will I get a job? Future, future stuff. Um, and uh, secondly, pagan people worry about the future because they think that their happiness and comes from the consumption of things and the enjoyment of possessions. So money and possessions are the secret idols of a pagan society. Money, as you know, is the god of the USA and every other Western society. We are consumer society, which means that money is our basic god, and that's the basic root of the bad kind of worry. Now, what's the remedy? Jesus gives us three remedies for our worries so that we will use them in the right kind of way. First of all, he says uh, that we are to rely on God's promises to provide for us uh, and not to uh, rely on the, prompt, the futile promises of money, the promises of this world, uh, God is our heavenly king, our heavenly father. He loves us dearly and he promises to provide for us. And Jesus gives us some cognitive spiritual therapy. He says, look, meditate on what? The birds and the flowers. The birds don't work. Uh, they are, uh, And yet God provides for the birds each day. Flowers don't work, they don't spin, they don't make their own clothes, and yet the gear of the flowers is far better and more beautiful than anything that you women are wearing. Okay, uh, look at God's creation and look how God cares for the birds and the flowers, and Jesus says, you are much worth much more to God than many birds and all the flowers. If he cares for them, he will also care for you. Uh, but not in advance, day by day. Uh, secondly, he says, so first of all, put your trust in God and his promises to provide for you. Secondly, he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. What are these things? Food, drink, clothing, health, uh, all that you need. Uh, seek first his kingdom. Now, um, uh, God's kingdom, uh, rather remarkably, we are, uh, by baptism, we are adopted by God, our heavenly Father. Uh, we become part of God's royal family. Not just part of a family, but we become part of 
for God's royal family. He's the king of heaven and earth, and we rule together with God. And that means that God, uh, we are heirs of God. Everything that God has, he wants to share with us. Uh, all the resources of heaven and earth belong to God, and he um, uh, can therefore care for us. Why should somebody, why should the son or daughter of a king in the ancient world worry about whether they were going to get food uh, tomorrow? They have no reason to worry because their father is king. They eat from the king's table. Uh, everything that belongs to the king belongs to them. So seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, being right with him and his agenda, and then everything else falls into place. Now the question is, how do you seek God's kingdom? And since I might run out of time, I'm going to jump ahead. You seek God's kingdom, by, not just by relying on God, sort of theoretically, but by praying. By praying for what you need. And that's what Jesus tells, shows us to do in the Lord's Prayer. What does he say? Our Father in heaven, give us this day our daily bread. Uh, to seek God's kingdom and to seek then the gifts of God's kingdom for us and for others. For our husbands, wives, children, grandchildren, the people who are dear and precious to us. And all the people on earth. Um, and the result of that kind of prayer is that everything else will be added to you. So let me just step out here. Uh, there's right kind of worry, there's the wrong kind of worry. Worry is not necessarily bad for you. In fact, God gives you worries. The Holy Spirit works through your worries. What does God uh, want to do with your worries? What does he want to turn them into? Prayers. And so you worry in the right kind of way about anything when you turn your worries into prayer. So by giving you worries, Jesus is trying to teach you to do what? Pray. To, to live out your faith. You know, you believe as God is your Father. Now, what do you do? How do you, what kind of action do you take? Because God is your Father who richly and daily provides everything for you. God is your Heavenly Father who gives you all things for your enjoyment. Uh, that's the text for today. Uh, since this is the case, then why, uh, how do we make good use of our worries? By turning them into prayers. Turn your worries into prayers and then you will learn to worry in the right kind of way. You will put your worries in uh, the right place. Then last of all, Jesus uh, 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 tells us, touches on the, the, the worst kind of worry, is fear of the future. You know, the kind of disaster that will happen. It starts off this way, you know, I'm afraid that something bad's going to happen soon. Okay, starts off just with bad, and then I, 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 then I go from there and think that uh, my whole life is going to fall in a heap. 
So I worry not just because something bad's going to happen to me, but that uh, my whole, li whole life will be a disaster. And then it will go, that goes beyond that, because then in the future I fear nothing but disaster for myself, my family, my church, the whole world. There's that kind of mood in many people, have you noticed? People are very pessimistic about the future, and they're worried sick about what's going to happen when? In the future. What's the point about worrying about what's happening, going to happen in the future? Because it most often doesn't happen. So what does Jesus say? And this is fantastic, my dear friends. He says, therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow. Now what's the reverse of that? Instead be anxious, worried about today. Okay, don't be worried about tomorrow. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Then he has the punchline, sufficient enough for the day is its own trouble. So uh, what's the kind of trouble which is good for you? Today's troubles. And today's troubles are meant, uh, are given to you. Uh, and they're good if they aren't focused on yourself, but focused on other people and focused on what God can give and provide for them. It doesn't all depend on you. You're not, you don't run the world, you don't run the USA, you don't run this congregation, you don't run the church. God does. Uh, okay? You focus uh, on today. And today's problems are meant to teach you to pray. And when you do that, then worry and anxiety is used properly. It's put in its right place. Uh, uh, so the right worry that you can have is worry for today rather than the future for tomorrow. See how we go. Now, can we go to another passage which makes that uh, even more uh, obvious and explicit? Can you turn to Philippians chapter 4? Five to seven. In my Bible here, it's page 982. Can you turn to 982? Okay. This is fantastic. Oh, I love this passage. Uh, the first part of it, basically, is my confirmation text. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. Don't worry, rejoice. Start off with that. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. Better than reasonableness, which sounds sort of very head-tripping. Uh, let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. The Lord is near. The Lord is here. He's present with you. And now comes the conclusion. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything with, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Or you could also translate this, um, let your requests be made known to God so that the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. 
Uh, Jesus is not back in the past. He's not just up in heaven. He's not there in the future. Jesus is here with us now. And uh, uh, because that he's here with us, then uh, uh, means that everything that God wants to give us is available to us in Jesus. Um, he, he gives us joy, and from him we can have the enjoyment of life, most of all. Um, Paul says that we are to use our worries as a stimulus for three kinds of prayers. We are to make uh, prayers, general prayers, for ourselves and others. If I don't know what other people need, that doesn't matter. I can just pray for them generally. Ask God to bless them and provide for what they need. Uh, secondly, uh, uh, we can make supplications or petitions for them if we know what they need. Okay? Uh, uh, keep your eyes open, um, particularly for the people that you worry about. You worry about your children, don't you? Worry about your marriage? And you know why you worry about your children. You're worried about them falling away from the church. You're worried about them marrying the wrong kind of person. You worry about them getting into drugs. Okay, good, good, that's excellent. But what you do, that should, that shows you, and by means of that, the Holy Spirit saying, don't just worry about that. Pray that they will find the right partner in life. Pray that they will do well in life. Pray that they'll find a good job. Pray that uh, they won't get into drugs or whatever the case may be. Uh, so you have particular supplications and requests for them. Now, if you worry about a person generally, then pray for them generally. You worry about particular things, pray for those particular things. And thirdly, and this is the clincher, Paul says, how are we to uh, make these two kinds of prayers to make our requests known to God? With thanksgiving. What does thanksgiving do? Okay, uh, most of us are geared towards seeing trouble. Most of us are geared towards seeing what's bad in life. What we're not geared towards seeing is what's good. So we're blind to the, the, the million good things that happen every day. And look, uh, do you realise that every day there are millions of things that go right for you? But if you're like me, if I have two or three things that happen to me, bad things that happen to me, it's a bad day and there's nothing good about it. Now, what happens when you give thanks for your children, for your pastor, for your congregation, for uh, the good things that God does to you? What happens? Your eyes are open to see God at work in life. God providing for you and other people. Uh, and the more you give thanks, the more you see, the more you get the vision of God's hand at work everywhere all around you. Um, and that then focuses your prayers uh, uh, so that instead of praying with half our hearts and with mistrust, we pray confidently. Why? Because we know that God has done all these things, given us all these good things, given other people all these good things, and which means, therefore, we can expect him to do what? Keep doing the same thing. Uh, 
By the way, um, just recently read an interesting uh, study by a brain scientist on um, uh, uh, the fact that worry is good for you. And the number one ritual that he says for uh, anybody to make sure that uh, to use worry, anxiety in the right way, is to be grateful and express gratitude. And interestingly, and this is not spiritual, this is just the way God's made us, that when we express our thanks, our gratitude to other people, and I'd add to God, uh, that releases dopamine and serotonin in our brains, and we experience happiness and joy. The article is about um, uh, uh, how to, and this is typically American and so, so psychological, how to maximise your happiness. Uh, uh, okay, it's good for you. And the result of that is that the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, will do what? It will guard your hearts and your minds against what? Hmm? Evil. Evil. The attacks of the devil. Um, and it means that, uh, uh, that peace will rule rather than unbelief, the devil uh, at work in society all about us. Um, anxiety is infectious. And the wrong kind of anxiety is infectious. You pick it up from the air around you. But then also the opposite's true. <coughs> the good kind of anxiety is equally infectious. Yeah, I'm online. I'm trying to get in. <laughs> now, lastly, uh, the next dimension. Now, notice that guarding your hearts and minds, guarding from spiritual attack. Because uh, who's going to attack you? Who uh, is at work in your conscience and in your mind to get you to worry in the wrong way? The devil, the Satan. So, uh, how do you get the devil out of your worries? Can I put it quite crudely? How do you get him? out of your hearts, your minds. Peter talks about that in his first letter. So 1 Peter 5, 7 to 9. Starting off with uh, verse 6, and then you're going to 9. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, Casting all your anxieties on him in prayer um, because he cares for you. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Be, stay awake. Be vigilant. Why? Your adversary, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him. Firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. Now, um, God cares for you. And Peter says, you are to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. God's mighty hand doesn't uh, humble you in order to, uh, doesn't lay his hand on you to put you down, but he lays his hand on you to bless you. His hand is powerful, and his hand is upon you to do what? Bless you, and you receive his blessings on your knees. And how do you receive his blessings? By casting, throwing all your anxieties, 
your worries on him. Why? Because he cares for you. Uh, he wants to bless you. He wants to provide for you. And not just for you, but also for other people. And why are, are, you, are you to cast your anxieties on him? Because if you don't do that, the devil's going to mess with you. He's going to use your anxieties, your troubles, to destroy your faith. He's going to get you to misuse your worries, uh, to misapply your worries, and to, instead of getting your, using your worries in order to pray, he will get you to use your worries so that you stop praying. So, yeah, this is uh, long enough. Uh, uh, yes, never waste a good worry. <laughs> never waste a good worry. You know the political axiom of uh, that great politician who uh, belongs to this part of the world, Ram Emanuel, uh, of a great renown, who uh, uh, is said to basically have operated on the, the, uh, uh, with the political maxim, never waste a crisis, but above all, never waste a good crisis, a mega, mega crisis. Well, Christ's axiom to you, worry warts is... Never waste a good worry. Turn your worries into prayers. Could you bless us and then with like the Red Sea parting, walk to the pulpit and work harder? <laughs> oh, you really work me. <laughs> Psalm 55. Cast your burden, your worries on the Lord so that he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be shaken. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds safe in Christ Jesus, now and forevermore. Amen. Amen.